The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, the potential commentary arm of Reuters News, coming to you from Rome, Italy. The week began with a bang in deal terms as AT&T agreed to spin off and merge the cornucopia of media assets it bought when it took over Time Warner into a smaller rival, Discovery. The transaction wasn't huge, but it was one of those rare and actually refreshing about-faces by a big company that belatedly recognizes the strategy it had been pursuing for years was flawed. Under the telephone company's previous CEO, Randy Stevenson, AT&T got all worked up about the need to become a content and media business. It spent over $100 billion for the owner of HBO, Warner Studios, Looney Tunes, and CNN. Stevenson even went toe-to-toe with Donald Trump's Justice Department to get the deal approved. So it was kind of mind-blowing to see his successor, John Stanky, unwind the whole thing. Lauren Laughlin and Jen Saba break it down for us. Meantime, the merger of ride-hailing to delivery to payments giant Gojek and online shopping site Tokopedia to create an Indonesian powerhouse just a month after Singapore-based rival Grab was valued at $40 billion in a big SPAC deal gave Unigalani and Sharon Lamb a chance to discuss this emerging Southeast Asian tech scene. Finally, while I had Yuna on the phone, I also asked her about the decision by the World Economic Forum to abandon its plans to hold its annual meeting in August in Singapore. Back to Davos in January, it seems. Give a listen. Jen and Lauren, good to talk to you about this huge deal that's happened in the media landscape in America, the unwinding of AT&T. Talk to me a little bit about this, Jen. You've been covering it. They, they're, by, they're basically taking all of AT, the telephone company is taking all of its media assets and shoving them into discovery. This is not a, not a normal deal, right? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's a total about face for AT&T that spent uh, about one hundred and nine billion dollars, you know, a couple of years ago after they fought off the Department of Justice. And so now, you know, it's sort of a um, basically they're saying like this, this whole idea to transform the phone company into this media and distribution new fangled thing is just completely didn't work. And so they're taking all the Warner Media assets and they're combining it with Discovery, which is a much smaller media company. They have stuff like the Food Network and HGTV and the Oprah um, Winfrey Network. So um, it's it's pretty stunning. Yeah. And so do you think it's going to go through is, I guess, the main question. There's there's a I mean, it's not only complex complicated. It has a whole bunch of things that have to go right for it to to basically work for shareholders, no? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's very complicated. So I think shareholders are trying to work through that. Um, There's the regulatory aspect. It does have to be approved. Um, It doesn't, you know, at least from discovery standpoint and AT&T standpoint, the shares have been down. So it doesn't look like um, people are very happy about it. Um, so there could be interlopers as well, kind of given um, <clears throat> where their shares are trading and 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 just the media landscape in general. I mean, we had, uh, you know, earlier this week, Amazon is sniffing around MGM Studios. So there's a lot of change on the horizon. So this is not I would by no means say this is a done deal. Lauren, what, what's your take on this? I mean, it's it's obviously the unwinding of a, of a failed strategy uh, at AT&T. Per, you know, prosecuted by one Randall Stevenson, the former CEO. 
um, they, that's did they impair these assets? I'm just curious. You know, over, over the last couple of years, that that the phone company has owned, you know, whether it's HBO or Warner Studios, have they have these assets suffered under that ownership? Um, I think I think yes. Yes, and sort of are sort of the right answers to that. Like you say, Stevenson got accused of, you know, hubris and empire building when he went out and took, you know, the old Ma Bell and and tried to make it a fancy uh, media company. And, um, you know, if you look at the the deal, which is complicated, but if you look at it and you sort of back into what the market is saying, those assets are worth, you know, anywhere between 10 and 15 percent less today than they were when um, AT&T first made the offer for them in October 2016. But okay, you know, so yeah, they are worth but, less. They're, but they're uh, worth but less media assets overall have gone up, haven't they? So exactly. So if you benchmark that about you know against a competitor like Verizon Communications, you're talking about you know 40 percent missed opportunity. If you're looking at the S and P, that's a hundred billion dollars of of value that maybe shareholders missed out on. Um, and so, yes, there's a question of of how much value has been lost, which means, you know, AT&T shareholders now are really depending on discovery management, who's going to be running the new company to make that up on their behalf. I mean, to Jen's point about it being a done deal, what's sort of interesting, though, is that the, the, the outside shareholders, meaning not John Malone, who's always been the sort of guiding hand or the the gripped hand of, of um a discovery, and then he has a partner, Advanced Newhouse, that's a very large shareholder. You know, they're effectively the ones that have the most say in this entire deal. AT&T shareholders don't get a vote, and um, they control 44% of the discovery vote. And they've also made all sorts of arrangements with um, AT&T to agree to vote in favor of the deal with a really large break fee. So other people might be interested in these assets. But it's hard to see how they're actually going to break up a deal. Well, how has John Malone done from this deal, uh, Jen? Um, well, uh, you know, he's giving up his voting shares um, and he, you know, has been he endorsed he's endorsing this deal. Um, he's very excited about it, at least from the statements that he's been making. And you know, for a while now, he's been talking about how, you know, small media companies and Discovery is one of them, they need to get bigger or they're just going to lose out in, in the world of Netflix. So, you know, for him on a strategic level, it looks good. Um, and then, you know, he's yes, he's losing some control, but he still has shares in a much larger company. And um, he's going to possibly be appointed to the board. So he will still very much be part of this larger media entity. And what does this new company, is this new company in a better position to battle, let's say, Netflix, as you mentioned, Disney, which is Disney Plus, uh, Amazon, which has Prime. Is this, a, is this really just a giant streaming battle and they've all just decided or in this case, Time Warner and Discovery have decided that the only way to go forward and combat them is to have some bundled offering? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a good question. I think that if this deal had happened earlier, perhaps, but, you know, Warner Media, it's a, it's a great asset. HBO has amazing content and movies and TV films. But, you know, at the end of the day, what you're looking at is they've been tossed around for six years now. 
under AT&T with different management and trying to, you know, basically be integrated in a phone company. And now they're being kicked out the door. You know, it's better for them because now they're going to be run by a media company and by, you know, David Zasloff, who has a ton of media experience, but they're starting way behind. I mean, by the time this thing happens, we're looking at, you know, another year and a half to two years. And in the streaming world, that's, I mean, Disney and Netflix are way out of the gate. So, you know. And they probably have greater financial firepower. You mentioned well, that's the I think other that Amazon things. is looking at MGM. When you look at the, 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 the amount of money they have to spend to create uh, exclusive content to, to basically justify their streaming subscription services, this company now is going to be how, how indebted? Um, it was like five times um, EBITDA. EBITDA. So that's a lot. Okay. That's a lot. I mean, you know, so they have a lot of debt and they've got to spend on content and they've got to integrate and they've got to do it, you know, fairly quickly, which is that's not an easy task. And uh, Lauren, I mean, you you also we talked a bit about management. I think Jen said that David Zaslav is going to continue to run the the organization. There was, of course, someone running the the Time Warner the Warner Media business, Jason Killar. I guess we have some views about about what he should do next. Yeah, it's it's amusing looking at these media executives that get paid quite a lot of money, you know, $52 million, I think, is what his pay package looks like. And the question is whether he just sort of rides that out at AT&T or he jumps to Discovery, which would mean that Discovery would have to presumably pay more money, in effect, to get him over there. Um, you know, it's, That's his it's, payout package. Is that what that is? No, 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 no. That's just his pay package, right? So, wow. Like, yeah. Uh huh. Um, and I mean, it's interesting, really. Like when you think about it, compared to other industries, for example, if you looked at how Wall Street Trader gets paid, you know, there's some that make quite a lot of money, that much or more, but they have a sort of direct line to their revenue as well, and they're very much tied to performance, where this really isn't. Um, so, Why are we all working for the phone company? <laughs> yeah, we could we could even do a shared job and come out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, so what? Just one thought, Jen. Comcast, which is the other big Kahuna in the U.S. media land or global media landscape, they've taken a different tactic. They are not a telephone company, but they are a cable company. So they 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 have that kind of infrastructural angle, but they also own own content. So they have. They have gone forward with a with a model that is a little bit like the one that AT&T is deciding to, to give up. And it looks like the stock has actually, though, performed pretty well. So yeah. what, why did, what did they get right that AT&T got wrong? Well, I mean, I think there are a couple of things. Um, one is they bought or they started buying NBC Universal from, you know, a very uh, desperate General Electric um, right at, after the financial crisis. So. They, they got a good deal with NBC and they also did it very conservatively in two steps. So they were learning and then they decided to, okay, we're gonna buy the rest of this thing. So that's the first part. And the second part is they were just, look, they're probably better operators because you know if you look at their share price and their return, it's, it's better than Disney, it's better than Discovery, and it's better than AT&T over five years. So, you know, they've been doing something, it looks like, correct, in the sense that they have been able to, quote unquote, marry distribution and, you know, media. So if I'm Brian Roberts, 
um, you know, and I'm looking at this new big. He's the he's the the controlling CEO, shareholder. And the controlling CEO. shareholder, yeah, of Comcast and 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 the CEO. If I'm if I'm in his seat, I'd be you know kind of like, all right, well, it's going to take Discovery a while to swallow Time Warner or Warner Media or whatever they're called mm -hmm. now, and you know, uh, I can just keep chugging along. Yeah. Yeah, maybe to take advantage of of uh, his his biggest one of his biggest competitors um, being all tied up in itself. Well, this is really fascinating, guys. Thank you, Lauren in Connecticut and Jen in New Jersey. We'll keep an eye on this story as it as it continues to unspool. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. Southeast Asian tech companies have been coming out and debuting both in with SPAC deals and M&A and all sorts of interesting stuff. Yuna, you've written a lot about this from Mumbai. Uh, what is your sense of what's going on in, in, in that corner of the world in tech and why should we care? Yeah, well, Robert, it really is a coming out party. You know, like a month ago, we had this record-breaking SPAC merger we had a grab which is a sort of a singapore ride hailing to food delivery to payments app it merged with altimeter it's valued its equity at 40 billion dollars that's record setting deal and now we've got one of its top rivals gojek it's merging with something called tokopedia it's sort of similar kind of mix of things they do and you know that they're going to create this sort of indonesian internet powerhouse this is exciting because it's probably the prelude to their IPO as well, probably in New York. And, you know, like this is um, this is really interesting because like until now we haven't been able to invest in this Southeast Asian tech story. So it's all been Asia tech has been all about China, China, know, China, 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 right. China, China, Alibaba, JD, Tencent. And now we have these companies coming along that are, you know, have as much potential and a kind of slightly friendlier geography. Indonesia is the fourth most populous country in the world. It's got one of the world's fastest growing internet economies. You know, what's not to get excited about? Right. So that it makes sense in a, that people were focused on the China tech story, given, you know, you're talking about billion three population. I mean, it is so much larger, of course. But, you know, you do have what does the company see that's that's been out there that's been listed has sort of shown the way forward right Sharon I mean uh, they have they have something like a, a market cap that's up there with the big guys I imagine that's kind of infected everybody in the region with uh, with a, a certain amount of, of greed and ambition right definitely and um, I just wanted to mention um, earlier you mentioned that go to is, is considering listing in New York New York but they're actually also looking at um, a listing back home in Jakarta as well probably by the end of the year. So, you know, there's definitely appetite both in the U.S. as well as back in, in the Southeast Asian markets. Um, yes, you do mention C. C is um, one of uh, Singapore-based kind of internet conglomerate now. It's now a 114 billion company. And that's kind of like the colossus in the background while all these other companies are now um, merging, tying up with GoTo. And whereas both Tokopedia and Gojek, the combination will create a delivery, a mobility, payments, shopping, um, powerhouse, as you know mentioned, uh, C also has this additional kind of cash cow video games unit called Garena, which has it has really relied on to fund growth and you know offset a lot of the, its losses in, in a lot of the other areas that it's pushing into, for example, with Shopee. Um, its e-commerce platform, as well as um, as it's pushing into to even food delivery now, as well as uh, digital banking in Singapore. So that's kind of, you know, potentially one of the reasons why a lot of 
it's also competitors are, are looking to consolidate at the moment. I mean, I think no, that's okay. important to remember, like, you know, Southeast Asia, it wants to, you know, it's basically about super apps. So GoTo, which is this latest merger that we've got, it's like, you know, it's Amazon, Grubhub, Apple Pay, Uber, it's like all into one. So it's like, it's super exciting. And like, unlike in China, where the regulator is now breathing down, you know, these check, uh, the, the, the necks of all these tech giants, like the regulators sort of in Southeast Asia seem to be quite chilled out about all of this. You know, they're happy to let the kind of competition unfold. It's still pretty early on in the fight, you know, just like everywhere else in the world, I think, and probably to a bigger extent in, in Southeast Asia, you know, like people have just been coming online in droves over the last year. And what you're finding is that people are more tech savvy. So like, it's almost, it's like an inverse relationship between like the more emerging the market, the more tech savvy people are as soon as they come online and the more like voraciously they consume data and digital services. And that's why like Australia and Japan and, and places like that are like some of the least tech savvy places in the world. So that kind of that tech Internet opportunity is so interesting in this region. Is Indonesia the whole play for, for whether it's uh, Gojek and Tokopedia, GoTo or Grab? I mean, is there is there something and I just, you know, because uh, obviously you look at Indonesia. Yes. Fourth populous nation in the world now, but it is quite poor relative to China. I think the GDP per capita is about half what it is in China. But are these more scalable beyond that, or is this just an Indonesia play, Sharon? Well, I think Indonesia, as both you and you and Yuna mentioned, is a huge opportunity. I mean, uh, 270 million consumers, super fast-growing market. And even go to, um, they said that, you know, when they announced the merger, that their gross transaction value could be estimated to be about 2% of Indonesia's GDP. So I think that even within Indonesia itself, there's still lots of opportunity. I think specifically, if you look at GoTo, they are, because they're they're made from two kind of Indonesian unicorns, their focus so far has been very much in that country. But I do want to say, I think, while you know, flag that there is perhaps less of a regulatory concern here than in China, here you do have uh, two, you do have Tokopedia, which is e-commerce, which is very different from what Gojek has been doing in ride hailing and delivery. So there's kind of fewer overlapping businesses, but there's still a big question of how exactly they're going to integrate a lot of their services. For instance, both of them are in financial services and Tokopedia is in um, an e-wallet called Ovo, um, which is what Grab is also in. So not really sure how exactly all of that will kind of fit in together. But you know that the whole like, I mean, I, I agree with that, that that is an open question. I think that in the sort of Indonesia versus Southeast Asia play, though, I think that's a real question. So like Grab, which did this record breaking SPAC, is like a genuine sort of Southeast Asian story. You know, you've got like 11 countries in the region twice with a, and the region has a population that's twice that of the US. And that kind of works out well because you know you've got a rich market like Singapore where the unit economics are really good where you can kind of make money and then you can burn it in Indonesia where like as you pointed right. out people are not very rich and there are like it's like the country is made up of like thousands of uh, like tiny islands so like really literally getting stuff around is like you know it's like a nightmare so so and I think one of the things that go to is going to have to decide before they they do do this uh, IPO later this year is whether they are an Indonesian story or whether they are a Southeast Asian story. And I sensed yesterday that there was some tension between the company and the investors. The company was going on about, 
oh, we're an Indonesian powerhouse and the investors in all their like statements were like, yeah, this is a Southeast Asian story. I think because like the Southeast Asian story is the one that's going to, at the end of the day, be able to sell a bit better. But it's, you know, it's not easy to like expand across multiple countries, uh, multiple regulators through multiple regulated businesses. Uh, I think Grab has sort of proved itself a bit more so far than uh, GoTo because, you know, they're on their way to be public. You know, Tokopedia has been selling the story about how they are extremely hyper-local. They are, you know, very much intimately aware of what their the local merchants need. And I think that, you know, as they push into Southeast Asia, they'll have to think a lot about how exactly they're going to tell that story and what will be compelling to, to investors. Now, Yuna, the other, there's another, this would have been a great opportunity for, you know, as you say, Southeast Asia coming out party for technology companies would have been, of course, the World Economic Forum, uh, which did not take place in Davos this year, Switzerland, but was meant to to take place in Singapore in August. Uh, This week, we got word that that is not happening. Is that a bit of a blow to to Singapore? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a really exciting opportunity for Singapore. Singapore is known as the Switzerland of the East. You know, it is a wealth center and the and, and the nature of wealth in the world is shifting towards Asia. So we would have literally been following the money to Asia. And it just would have been, you know, like Singapore is this clean, safe, super efficient place. And it's just not unlike uh, Switzerland. It doesn't have the ski slopes though, right? So you, so maybe maybe a bit less fun in, the, in, in your free time. But I think, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be this great coming out party and that's kind of gone. And, and what's really interesting is that the West has said, so, you know, they were supposed to have it in May this year, then they shifted it to August. Now they are saying, we'll probably have it sometime next year. And we don't know when, and we don't know where. I think they've just been burnt too many times by trying to commit to an event in public. And, you know, it's just, it's just planning around the virus is is really impossible. Yeah, well, well, I won't see you then in Singapore in August, but uh, maybe, maybe, the, the, maybe Davos next uh, next January. Maybe. We'll see. Well, look, thank you, Sharon, in Hong Kong. Thank you, Yuna, in Mumbai. Keep covering these fascinating companies for us. Thanks, Rob. That's our show for the week. Thanks to our producer Freddie Joyner in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your high-quality podcasts. And check us out every day at breakingnews.com. Arrivederci.